Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today, man? Good, good. I just uh, excited watching, obviously, Bear, uh, basketball, Bulls basketball. Saw a little bit of the Bears game, and I, I shouldn't say I was excited about that. It was just whatever for that game, but um, some competitive Bulls basketball has me feeling pretty, pretty good. Yeah, this might have been the best stretch of one in three Bulls basketball that we've seen in a while. It was actually very entertaining and pretty enjoyable. So we're going to break down the West Coast road trip that the Bulls just wrapped up today. Uh, 130-127 loss to the LA Clippers in a really fun and entertaining game. And joining us to break down... This game, uh, returning the Bulls gold from NBC Sports Chicago, is Rob Schaefer. Rob, thanks for joining us again, man. Yeah, it's good to be here, Edward uh, Salim. Um, it's uh, yeah, I I agree. For again, for a one in three stretch of basketball, the Bulls looked pretty encouraging. I think that's probably the word that you'd use for it. We're taping this obviously fresh, fresh off uh, the final buzzer of the Clippers game, which was the last one. Another hard fought game, another high scoring game. So. You know, the defense is always the flip side of that. You know, where can they get better there? But uh, but yeah, I mean, 11 games into the season, I think the 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 changes under Billy Donovan, the kind of change in, in mentality is pretty apparent. And it looks like the young guys are finding their footing. So at this point, you know, with the expectations of the season, that's that's pretty much all you can ask for. So uh, it, it is no longer a bad time to be a Bulls fan, dare I say. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully that doesn't jinx it, but uh, things are things look at least like they're turning in the right direction. I, I agree with you. And I, I think what's most impressive about this is that Lowry Markinen, Chandler Hutchinson, Tomas Sadoransky aren't even playing right now. The Bulls are pretty much playing under man and Otto Porter didn't play today either. So they're playing with a, a shorter or maybe not shorter, but they're not playing with their typical rotation that they did when they started the season. But this team remains competitive. They've been in every single game uh, lately, and they've been putting up some uh, some good numbers as well. So, uh, again, this was a really, really entertaining game. Zach Levine went off 45 points, made it look easy. Of course, he, d- he didn't hit the, the shot that would have tied the game at the end, but he still got a really good look at it. It just looked like the ball kind of slipped out of his hands a little bit. But again, we got to see really, really promising signs from uh, Patrick Williams. Wendell Carter Jr. continues to look a lot better after a slow start. Denzel Valentine looks like a a decent reserve. So a, a lot of promising things going on right now. What stood out to you the most during this West Coast road trip? I think just as you said, just the competitive nature of it after those first two games, the Hawks and the Pacers games that ended, I think, in 20 point and 19 point blowouts respectively. But having watched those games, they were clearly not as close as those final scores. I think the Hawks game, there was a 40 point deficit in the third quarter. Uh, The Pacers got up to 30 and obviously there were those two runs, the 21 to nothing run, the 18 to nothing run there. So just to see in the stretch of less than 10 games to see this team weathering runs, as you said, facing adversity in terms of availability, rotation players are going down almost by the day. I mean, as people are around the league with with kind of the the recent surge in, in COVID cases and, and protocol related quarantines, the Bulls have you know been dealing with that for a while. So to see all that, um, I think it's just it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see this team be hanging around late in games because when you have when you're getting blown out of the water, you know, before the second half starts, it, it pretty severely affects the evaluation of, of guys on the team. Obviously, you know, it's not a great product to watch. And it means that um, uh, it means that you're just in a worse spot as a franchise coming into the year, thinking that you had, you know, promising individual pieces, but you just had to, to find the way they work together. So, uh, you know, you could break it down in the individual sense. Wendell Carter Jr. I agree. Uh, I thought he looked great, especially early tonight. I mean, he ends the night with four turnovers and kind of tapered off as the game was going on, but this trip in general for him, uh, his playmaking on the short roll has really stood out. His offensive assertiveness, he's making that that little mid-range jumper from the pocket. He's attacking the basket, uh, rebounding in a 17-rebound game against Sacramento. That's been huge. Kobe White getting 13 assists today, and he had a couple stretches uh, throughout the Kings and Lakers games where he was catching fire. So, so him finding his footing in his new role, uh, those are the two guys that I think consistency will be the most key to look from. Uh, to look for from because of the uh, uh, of the drastic nature of how they're going to have to adapt to Billy Donovan's system. Zach Levine starting to shoot the ball better. You know, we knew that was coming, uh, even though I don't think you could say he was playing poorly before the trip. 
Mm-hmm. He uh, he entered the Lakers game shooting under 30% from three. So you knew that was going to tick up, and, and now it is. Uh, so that's encouraging to see. Uh, discouraging is, is Otto Porter Jr. going down again. You know, you don't want to jump to conclusions on it, but, it, you know, it, that just feels so inevitable to this point that you do kind of clench up a little bit, and hopefully that's not anything serious because he was really – showing why everyone you know thought he would be so valuable to this team uh, last season especially he was kind of proving that uh with his kind of steady play on both ends and and floor spacing uh but as you said i mean and even adding into the guys that you mentioned i think garrett temple you have to you have to tap to as someone who uh we were talking about this a little bit off air uh uh, before the recording started but a guy that people might have rolled their eyes at a, a decent portion of the fan base in terms of him being the lone free agent signing for a 22 and 43 team He's just been so steady, um, you know, 18 points and three threes today. The shooting is coming around for him. Obviously, defensively, I think especially getting around screens at the point of attack is somewhere where the starting backcourt struggles and, and he can kind of bring a different element when he comes in off the bench or he started today. Uh, and then you, you just listen to the way the guys talk about him. There was that clip of him encouraging Wendell Carter Jr. to shoot a three during the Milwaukee Bucks game. You know, Patrick Williams talked today. He's uh, shooting uh, the three ball at a pretty uh, efficient clip so far in his rookie year even with, you know, the uh, increased length of the NBA, the increased range that he's shooting from. And he attributed that, um, you know, to shooting sessions with the veterans and called out Temple by name. So you can tell that he's making an impact uh, on and off the floor, which is which is great to see the veteran presence of him, of Thad Young, who's been tremendous uh, in ways uh, that sometimes are on the stat sheet and sometimes aren't. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot, of, a lot of different names that are contributing to this, to this competitive stretch. Now, you want to see it translate to wins, uh, the things that'll do that, you know, Billy Donovan highlighted defending without fouling turnovers, obviously. I mean, that's the most glaring thing watching this team is how much they cough the ball up. Uh, but, you know, with how much they're scoring and uh, how competitive they're being in this game or in these games, uh, I think you could pretty safely say that there's progress from last year. And the way that I'd put it is just, I think that this team through 11 games, the the arc that they're on gives me at least, and I think a lot of people confidence that the wins will eventually start to come for this team than pretty much any Bulls team over the last couple of years. You know, even for competitive stretches last year, it wasn't the most inspiring type of competitiveness of being in games late. Mm-hmm. And this year, just the way that the young guys are chipping in, the way that the vets are kind of filling gaps, and the way that you can track their progression in terms of handling adversity in game, mm-hmm. um, it, they, they certainly are on a path that makes sense, that makes logical sense when you watch it. And, you know, against relatively top tier competition, obviously the Lakers are without Anthony Davis, but the Clippers were at full strength. Uh, I think that's pretty, and the Blazers, that that was a great win. That was obviously at full strength. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a lot, but I think those things are, are standing out. I think Billy Donovan has a lot to do with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you could pretty safely say that they have the right guy to coach this team to kind of build this program mm-hmm. uh, at this point in the season, for sure. Speaking of the vets, I think we've seen Billy go rely on them a little bit more and they've been, Brought some stability to the lineup. I think you've seen Thad Young kind of bounce back from last season. I think how he's being used has been better, uh, especially on the offensive end. And then obviously we talked about Garrett Temple. Otto, uh, unfortunately, he was out today, but he's also been a nice calming force out there. How have you liked what Billy's done mixing the vets with the youth lineups and especially in the closing lineups? Well, I think it's I think that's a, a great, uh, you know, very obvious difference to a degree between, you know, the Jim Boylan coach team of last year and the Billy Donovan coach team of this year. That's one thing that's very easy to point to is kind of the adaptability in game, the the kind of trying stuff out and pushing a bunch of different buttons and seeing what works and being willing to be malleable. That that closing lineup with uh, Thad at, at the small ball center spot and, um, you know, the wings around him, whether it be Otto or, or Patrick uh, before uh, Otto got hurt um, and, uh, you know, Temple, uh, Zach Levine and Kobe White. That lineup, uh, you know, they, they obviously haven't closed games uh, in terms of the last three games uh, particularly effectively, but before that Kings game um, had gotten some solid work under their belt. I think it's, 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 it, it's going to come to a point where that balance might become an incompatible of playing the vets to win games and then also developing the young guys at the same time. Because, you know, for example, Wendell Carter Jr. has watched a lot of these, uh, these stretch runs in the fourth quarter from the sideline. Obviously, uh, that's, you know, just a necessity of certain matchups, but at some point, you know, you'd like to, you know, as a, as a fan, as an observer, uh, even if you're in the front office, you might want to see how Wendell fares in the closing minutes of these games. Uh, so that might become incompatible at some point. Uh, I like the company line that they've given on it so far, which is basically Garrett Temple said this the other day after a, a practice or shoot around. He said, basically, if, you know, that could become incompatible at some point, but um, basically we want to learn or sorry, we want to teach these young guys how to win. And the only way to, um, 
to do that really is to win. So if you're winning, you know, that's just going to, you know, trickle down and teach them uh, kind of by association. And uh, that's going to, um, you know, that's going to be what drives them for the time being. Uh, I'll be interested to see if, if that does become something that Billy has to decide between at some point for now it's working because of all the absences, but you know, we'll see how the guys get reintegrated. Uh, we don't know exactly when guys like Lowry and Arch uh, specifically are going to be back, obviously Sato and, and Hutch. I, I think it'd be reasonable to assume a little bit longer of a ramp up because they were positive for COVID-19. We don't know yet when the bulls get back to, to Chicago, if they're going to be immediately ready to jump back in, it sounds like Lowry and, and, and Arch will be. Um, so we got to see there that the Lowry point, cause Arch, I mean, you know, you trust him in a bind, but he's not necessarily a rotation mainstay. Lowry is. So I'll be interested to see what that forward rotation looks like. Maybe there's a, a pretty tidy spot vacated by Otto here, uh, because Makoka has been getting some run in the second half of games, which, you know, you probably won't see once Lowry comes back. Um, but a, a big enduring takeaway from last season, which was a down year for Thad was those comp- those lineup configurations with Lowry and Thad on the floor at the same time didn't really work last season. And it came into a situation where if one person between those two was getting more minutes, it was eating into the others. And both of those guys are kind of, you know, as any player is rhythm players that kind of need to get into that flow to see their opportunity increase and, and their production usually follows. So I'll be interested to see how that log jam uh, is handled, especially because of how effective Thad is. I will say because of how well Lowry was playing before he went out and how well Thad's playing now, it's a good problem to have, which, you know, it, you know, how often has this team had good problems to have in, in recent years? Mm. Uh, but it'll be just be interesting to see how Billy handles that. I think that will be a really telling window into how he's going to balance the vet versus developing young guy, uh, young guys uh, kind of equilibrium here um, that, you know, maybe he's been coaching by necessity with his rotations to this point, but when he has options moving forward, um, you know, it'll really give us a window into his philosophy and, and that'll be interesting to track. And it'll be interesting to track if, you know, the wins start coming eventually, um, which you would think just intuitively that adding Lowry back into this team, the way that they're playing right now um, could, you know, could benefit them uh, in that department. So we just got to see there. So I don't want to trigger anyone listening when I ask this, but is it possible that this team is seemingly is seemingly gelling right now because and I mean there's a bunch of other reasons but is it partially because with Lowry out there's more room for versatility in these lineups with Patrick Williams playing the four Otto Porter sometimes was playing three four Thaddeus Young plays four five and you're just seeing more versatility in these lineups. You mentioned Thaddeus Young playing that small ball five sometimes. Wendell Carter Jr., even though he's not closing out games, he can still play the five and he's a good defender. Patrick Williams has been guarding LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and he's playing three, four. There's just so much versatility and I feel like we're getting a peek into the type of lineups and rotations that Billy Donovan wants and the type of team that Carnishavis and Eversley want so marketing when he when uh when he was uh when he contracted uh COVID-19 he was playing like he was playing fine he was producing but you're still at a point where there are some matchups he can't really have at the four to be really good and if you play him at the five then it's a layup line so yeah yeah how do you like is it is it a is it a coincidence that they started gelling now or is it just something where hey the guys are playing well and Lowry can assimilate into that and he can play well too I'm really glad you mentioned that I knew exactly where you were going with it as you started that question because I've had the exact same thought I had the exact same thought when did I I I was texting somebody about it I think it it was either before or right after the Kings game maybe it was after the Portland game Uh, but I I, I've had this exact thought as this kind of uh, as the road trip certainly played off and even or played out and and certainly before that because Lowry goes out uh, early in the third quarter of the first Wizards game and hasn't been back since then. It's certainly a thought that's creeped into my mind, and I think definitely there is a level where the Bulls have been incredibly versatile with that forward rotation of, as you said, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Patrick Williams, you know, Thad Young being able to go between the four and the five, the center rotation of Wendell, and and then kind of Gafford being used in spurts uh, when it's when it's you know most appropriate to deploy him. Temple or Zach or whoever, you know, it's a positionless game, but either of those guys you could say um, are, are kind of in that three spot in some of these small ball lineups and it works. 
So I definitely think there is a degree of versatility with that. You can, you can play out higher on pick and rolls. You can switch a, a little bit more fluidly um, with those kinds of tweener three, four guys there that are maybe a little bit more athletic and mobile on the perimeter uh, than Lowry. The other thing is uh, one thing um, I can't remember if it was Billy Donovan who said this or, or one of the players, uh, you know, mentioned that that small ball lineup, that closing unit as being versatile on the offensive end too, because you have five, uh, you know, legitimate ball handlers. Uh, as much as Lowry, I think, you know, can attack closeouts and and come off screens and get downhill and, and handle a little bit on the break, he's not necessarily a guy that's going to initiate offense in the same way as, as those five guys of of Kobe, Zach, uh, Garrett Temple, Otto Porter Jr., and um, uh, and uh, Thad Young are going to on the offensive end. So that's an element of it too. But the, I've I've worked this out in my head a little bit. I'm certainly open to the theory. I just want to give because of how well Lowry was producing individually on the offensive end of the floor, I think all of those caveats have to be said. I want to see how he gels back in and give it a little bit of a sample size to build up before I rush to a determination on that. But I am certainly open-minded to that possibility. It's something that's crossed my mind. And especially on the defensive end of the floor, you have a guy at, in, in Lowry at the four spot who's seven feet tall and a floor spacer, and that's great but he's not particularly positionless on that end of the floor. And the position that he does play is downsizing and becoming more mobile and athletic kind of by the day at this point across the NBA. And, you know, I just, it's something that I've wondered really, you know, over the course of a nine month long off season where you ponder every angle of everything about this team is, you know, whether a, a front court that's as kind of quote unquote traditional as Lowry and Wendell, you know, works in the long term. This season is obviously a huge test of that. Uh, you know, Arturis Karnaschovas and the rest of the front office not coming to that extension agreement with Lowry when he clearly, you know, was was amenable to one. That kind of indicates that, that this is a, an audition for him in the context of this team, in the context of building the team that they want to build. And it'll be interesting to see. Um, definitely on the defensive end is where my my eye is trained the most as, as Lowry ramps back in. Um, TBD, but definitely agree with that being in the back of your head, I don't think it's a ridiculous thought at all. I'm sure some people will bristle at that because of how well Lowry was playing and, and the numbers he was putting up before he went out. Um, but uh, no, I, I certainly don't think that's a ridiculous, ridiculous thought. I'm just going to wait to to pass final judgment until he gets back a little bit. Oh, and one thing I wanted to, to adjust to, I, I think you said, uh, Edward, that, that Lowry had contracted COVID. Uh, he yeah. actually hasn't. He, oh, okay. he, was, he was just quarantined for close contact. Billy Donovan has said that he's um, tested negative every time. So I just want to clarify that just because okay. – all this stuff is so um, so nebulous these days. Just just to make sure that that was uh, okay. Yeah, that was clear. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's sticking to Lowry. I I, I kind of want to. I mean, you don't you don't punish a guy or you don't lose your starting spot uh, due to injury. Type of you know the whole cliche. But I, I've been wondering, like you know, what do you fit better coming off the bench? I like the dynamic that you have in the starting lineup. I know when Otto was playing, I liked him with. Pat, and then you had Wendell mixing that defense with offense, especially with Kobe and Zach in the backcourt, who are the weak links defensively. And then you let Lowry and uh, work with Sato off the bench to kind of be that offensive spark plug. And I think Lowry in general, and we talk about the changing four position, I feel like Lowry is more of a five in this league. Obviously, defensively, he struggles there. But as an offensive player, I feel like he's more of a five. And a lot of his mismatches, too, I feel like come against fives because he can take fives off the dribble um, and kind of score off of them going in on drives. And obviously he's taking them out of the paint um, when he's shooting threes really well, coming off of those curls. So that's what I'm wondering. Like, I wonder if Billy can kind of incorporate him back into the lineup, but coming off the bench. Yeah, it'd be interesting. To, it'd be interesting to track. I would anticipate it. Just I would guess that they would pluck him right back in the starting lineup, especially because Otto now being out, um, you know, vacates that four spot. Uh, and they were bringing Otto off the bench at the beginning of the season anyway. He was playing well in that role, so I think even if he was healthy, you just, you know, with with guys that are core pieces, I think. And this was this was kind of part of my point uh, when you know there was a, a a little bit of a kind of quote unquote start Gafford movement just to see how it would do. And I'm all for you know experimenting, trying things out, but. I just think when you're talking about the core pieces that are the most essential to evaluate on the team, you don't want to risk, you know, hurting confidence or anything like that by now you could also argue that maybe, you know, Lowry, someone that needs a fire lit under him a little bit um, or Wendell, the same thing, you know, I Wendell's playing too well now, but maybe back in the time when it was an argument. Uh, so you, there, there are two sides to that argument. Um, I'd anticipate that Billy plugs him right back into the starting lineup. 
Uh, I'll be interested to see if Gafford has kind of played his way back into the rotation permanently because um, at the beginning of the season, they were kind of running Lowry both as the starting power forward and staggering him as the backup center too. So I'll be interested to see if Gafford is, is all the way back after a pretty strong stretch of play, um, you know, over the, over the West coast trip and, and even a little bit before uh, it's an idea. Again, it's all things, they're all things that I'm open, open-minded to, uh, it, you know, we just got to see how Lowry reintegrates himself here. The other aspect is too, Billy has been very sensitive to the, the issue of ramping guys up after not having that much physical activity, even the guys who didn't test positive for COVID, you know, you're still quarantining in a, in a hotel room or your apartment uh, or wherever they live. Uh, I'm sure they, you know, maybe some of these guys have homes, but uh, you know, there, there, there is a little bit of a, um, of a delicate balance you have to play there with getting guys back up to game shape if it's been a week or two. So, you know, maybe there's a, a minutes limit or maybe there's some experimenting with that. In that case, that's, that's the scenario where I could kind of see it. Uh, but no, I, I do anticipate him coming straight back into the starting lineup. Uh, but, you know, like I said, with a team that you're not wedded to anybody and Billy has shown a, a willingness to experiment, anything is on the table. Once you get enough of a sample size to say, okay, we think this works or this might not, or this might be best for um, to put the team in the position to win games. Cause at the end of the day, this team is so close to winning games that you don't want to compromise that. Uh, Cause for a young developing team um, and especially a team of the bulls that hasn't won a lot, in the last few years, I just I, I'm still personally a believer that that's that's super valuable. Kind of just getting those notches uh, in your belt. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. I guess uh, another uh, switching over to kind of Billy on trying to see what he potentially would do with lineups, but it's really great to see what he's done with this team. Um, we the only difference we we, we talked about from last year to this season is they've drafted Patrick Williams. They added uh, Garrett Temple and just upgraded from Jim Boylan to uh, Billy Donovan. Now, you talk about players, like obviously the league is a, a player's league, but we're seeing such a stark difference. And in, in even the development, like I feel like every player has developed in some way, maybe not a big jump. But even Zach, I feel like he's showing some development. I feel like he's playing a little more consistently defensively. He still has his big issues, big lapses, but we're seeing him at times give better effort. I think Kobe, we're seeing more consistency out of him. Uh, I feel like he there's there's times he's not just playing aimlessly out there like he was last season. Larry, we saw a lot of the differences with him. I felt like I know obviously the shooting was there, but little things that he was doing, like I felt like he was taking advantage of mismatches. Um, you know, kind of getting in on on, on those and, and and really doing good job of being that a good pa- a better passer, not just looking for a shot, but looking to uh, see guys that might be cutting to the basket or, or whatever. Um, and then obviously seeing Wendell, and then the confidence that he puts into Patrick Williams. Like, how how do you feel really like when you when you look at Billy Donovan, the impact that he's at, and when you talk to these guys, how do they? react like how do you do you think they have reacted to billy well uh, there's just buy-in team-wide um there's just an evident kind of respect that they have for him i think um that that stands out to me even over zoom the the player development cases that you just highlighted uh, i agree with um obviously you know early season statistics are, are kind of wild and all over the place and need to stabilize but just you know from from observing from watching it just seems like guys play with a, a particular brand of assertiveness that maybe is a little bit different from years past. Zach getting downhill more, Lowry getting downhill more, obviously. Um, I agree completely on the mismatch observation. Wendell, we talked about his offensive assertiveness, and I think Wendell's playmaking too has been, especially over the last few games, just a market, market development that uh, that was kind of promised in the offseason. You know, the three-point shooting was too, and that hasn't come around to this point. But the, the playmaking, especially on the short roll and in the pocket, has – uh, Kobe, obviously, you know, his assist numbers being up too, I think is an indicator of that, his commitment to, to play in the point guard spot uh, and his own defensive engagement. I mean, he has his issues too, but he certainly doesn't shy away from the challenge, even if he doesn't uh, meet it every single time, uh, Patrick, obviously. But I, I just think it's the trust, it's the buy-in, it's the willingness to kind of ride with him through stern moments or him getting fired up in timeouts. Um, I mean, one thing, you know, when Kawhi was going on that third quarter tear today, um, you know, Patrick told us that, that Billy had kind of, uh, gotten into them a little bit, uh, during a timeout during that stretch, but there was a confidence, I think from a lot of guys on the team that 
this is a guy that genuinely cares about them and cares about winning and is able to, he's able to, to kind of toe that line of, of pushing them and motivating them and telling them when they're doing something wrong, but at the same time, instilling confidence in them at the same time. Uh, and then the team-wide results are obviously the games being closer, the games being more competitive, some good wins kind of peppered in here and there uh, or early in the season, but that's, that's kind of already been a result of that. And then some of the individual performances that we've seen. So that, that's the effect that, I, that I've seen him have. Obviously, we talked about the strategic adaptability a little bit too. Uh, I think that's there. Um, but he's just, he, the, that, that's the thing about Billy. He just very, even when he talks to, to us after games and kind of explains different decisions that went awry or different pieces of the game that contributed to losses, he's not into moral victories necessarily. He's not into letting guys off with a pass uh, because they, you know, tried or because, um, you know, the game was close. There's a, there's a very kind of a calculated approach to it where he says, okay, we've got the compete level down. Now it's execution. And here are the reasons that we're not executing. Uh, but, you know, when, when, he, when he goes in and, and is walking through game plans and things like that with these guys, he's clearly offering solutions as opposed to just listing the problems. Uh, so those, those things all, all jump out to me uh, about Billy. He's, he's clearly someone that in a young locker room, um, you know, they, Arturis Karnaschow has talked about this when they hired him, about him being someone that was fit to kind of build a program here. Uh, and I think you're really seeing that kind of the trust be embedded pretty deep uh, into these guys. And that's where, you know, things like player development come from, things like accountability. Uh, you know, not that this group has ever been one that is that is shied away from, you know, accepting blame for poor results and things like that. You know, that was consistent last year, too. Um, but that accountability actually turning into results at a certain point. Uh, th- those would be the things that I've, uh, that I've noticed so far, um, about Billy Donovan. And again, all that stuff combines to producing a team that even if the wins aren't stacking now, there's at least some degree of confidence that they might at some point. And, you know, last year, pretty much no matter, even when they had that hot December, there was never, um, you know, a, a consistent sense of confidence that that was going to sustain, or even in games when they got down big, that, that games would, uh, that would not spiral out of control. Um, so those are the things that have changed, even if the execution stuff, especially on the defensive end still has to come around uh, a good amount. Yeah. It it can't be said enough how much of an upgrade competent head coaching can do just for any team. And it had been a while since, uh, when Tom Thibodeau left with the Bulls had competent head coaching and Billy Donovan at bare minimum brings at least that and so far he's been doing an excellent job and one of the players who I think he's getting through is you and we mentioned it already is Wendell Carter Jr. and uh when when I'm thinking about Wendell Carter Jr. lately it's like uh you, you know that uh meme where Draymond Green is like hyping up Kevin Durant and tell him like, yo, you're the best player in the world. Like, just go out there and do what you do. That's what I feel like Wendell Carter Jr. just needs all the time because he's such a confidence-driven player. And when Wendell Carter Jr. is feeling himself, like, you see it on the court. Like, he, he is such a good basketball player when he just trusts that he's good and he's fluid. He doesn't hesitate. And we're, we're seeing more of that lately. Like, we're not seeing him... It doesn't feel like he's internalizing. I think Billy Donovan used that word uh, earlier in the season, internalizing. And it, it feels like Wendell Carter Jr. is just going out there and playing. He's scoring a lot more. Like I feel like we're seeing more double-digit games from him lately. And it's He's been very effective offensively. Sometimes he gets into foul trouble defensively. But I feel more confident that Wendell Carter Jr. is really turning the corner and is going to start becoming the player that... I, I think a lot of us believe he can. So what do you make about how Wendell Carter Jr. has been playing, especially on this West Coast road trip? Yeah, the, the, the decisiveness is the key, especially playmaking. I mean, in the Lakers game, especially. Uh, well, the the Kings game, he had four assists. And really, you know, in the first quarter, going back and rewatching that thing, with the amount of open threes um, that he kind of found and picked out, but that the Bulls missed. I mean, make or miss league, what are you going to do? Um, I really think he could have had seven or eight assists in that game. So that, I mean, that, that's one example of that popping out um, the Lakers game with, with Zach getting, you know, facing a lot of blitzes and double teams, um, especially after the first quarter, after he kind of popped off there. Um, I thought Wendell's playmaking was really a boon and, and created a lot of advantages for, for the offense. And I mean, that's just a new, not a new element of his game. He's always been that type of player, but him being encouraged to do that and put in positions to do that consistently, on the floor is somewhat new this year and something that was, 
that was uh, that was hyped up by Billy Donovan and, and the new front office. And decisiveness is key there. Decisiveness is key in his effectiveness as a roller, which also showed up in the Lakers game where they were really kind of slashing them in PNR um, the entire time. Those things are so dependent on his assertiveness. You know, you saw a couple mean mug snarls, which are kind of a Wendell staple when you know that he is kind of feeling himself. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's a great sign. I think it's a great sign again, that there aren't, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't play in the Lakers game, but you know, uh, these, these matchups aren't against necessarily severely shorthanded teams. Like a lot of the positive games that came last year were. Um, so I, I think that's definitely a positive. Uh, the more that he strings games together like these again, because he's such a confidence driven player, as you said, I agree with that assessment. Um, the more games like this he'll string together, the more that, you know, hopefully you'd think it would snowball in a good way. And I think it's a product of the Billy Donovan dynamic again, because he has challenged Wendell as much as really any player on this team, even significantly more so um, during the preseason when he was shooting the ball poorly, pushing him to keep, to keep going at it because it's not going to get better by shying away from it. You have to, you have to get those reps in um, challenging him to, to work on that shot more um, in the gym, challenging him to, uh, you know, get, obviously after the, I think it was the Hawks game when he said that he apologized to his teammates for his effort, you know, that things like that. Um, Billy Donovan has clearly, you know, from his public comments, at least put the pressure on Wendell Carter Jr. to reach the player that has been, you know, in a lot of optimists head heads that he could be uh, that, you know, he Wendell said that he could be during training camp this year, talking about how uh, Billy Donovan's new systems were going to affect him. Um, so I think again, that, that balance between, knowing when a guy, where a guy needs to improve, challenging them to improve that, motivating them to improve that without breaking them down entirely and still instilling confidence in them at the same time. Uh, I think the more good games that he puts together and he put together a few on this road trip, the more I think that the evidence of Billy Donovan's kind of player development philosophy working, I think that the more evidence will mount uh, kind of in that department. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 and it was well, it was well-timed. Um, these games, because after the first two, it, you know, it really looked like things could spiral out of control uh, fast for him. But that Warriors game kind of put him back on the right track. And and uh, he's he, he's had a couple really eye-opening performances since then. Um, and I will say, even in the Clippers game, you know, they didn't shoot well in the restricted area. I think they were 12 to 22. And uh, I don't have – when I rewatch, I'll go and I'll go and log uh, kind of when how they fared in Wendell's minutes specifically. But – just to the eye test on the first watch, he was affecting, even without a block, he was affecting a lot of looks around the basket. He's still dropping here. He's still adjusting to this drop focused uh, scheme that they're working on. He's talked about that a little bit. He's never played that coverage so consistently in his life. So, you know, he, he certainly thinks that he's improving and progressing on that end too. And even though the de- the overall defensive product wasn't great uh, on Sunday uh, and in fact, you know, was bad. I mean, give, give up one thirty um, and 42 in the third quarter. Uh, you know, a lot of that's Kawhi going unconscious, but you know, whatever mm-hmm. caveats, caveats abound. Uh, but I, I think he's even looking a little bit more uh, engaged and in the right place at the right time, which is what you expect to see from Wendell uh, on the defensive end too. So yeah, there's no doubt that him and, and Zach is certainly finding his stride and Patrick just had a career night. Um, and Kobe, you know, has a poor shooting night, but still has 13 assists, eight rebounds. You know, it, it, it's, it's certainly evident that a lot of these guys seem to be finding their footing as they get their feet wet in this new system. And uh, yeah, that's, that's encouraging to see. And maybe when the competition level goes down, we start to see these wins pile up. We just got to see when these guys come back and, and how things look um, when they get back to Chicago. Do you think that the players, the biggest difference this year, and obviously we've seen, like we talked about development and stuff, but just, just the engagement, they seem like they're more engaged. Like some of the pre- the post-game pressers you see there, they seem more like fruitful answers. Um, you're seeing more like, not just like pissed off guys that actually seem genuinely like happy to talk to the media. Um, and even like, obviously when you look at, uh, you know, I, I always like in the past, I took coaches interviews like for granted, um, because of, you know, because of like Tibbs never really gave a lot of answers. I mean, not that he was a bad coach, obviously he was a good coach in his own right, but then obviously Jim Boylan, the, the circus around him, now I look forward to seeing Billy's post-game pressers because I feel like he gives really good, like, read-between-the-line answers. Um, so, yeah, I would say, let's say, like, how, like the engagement, do you feel like that's probably the biggest difference this year than just uh, just everything else? Yeah, and, and it and honestly might be as simple as, you know, these guys are human beings the same as all of us are, and it, it, there's just a better mood, a better vibe, a better environment after 
wins slash, you know, games where, you know, you feel like you played well enough to win. I mean, obviously those losses can be just as painful, if not more so than the, the blowouts too, um, because you came so close. But I, I mean, you know, it could just be as simple as that and the general, you know, positive, more positive sentiment around the franchise. I mean, that was palpable during training camp for sure. Guys, you know, are talking about this being a results driven year and really believing it. Um, you know, you could, you could sense last season that even after the wins, sometimes they were going through the motions and um, obviously, you know, as the scrutiny and, you know, a lot of, you know, media scrutiny came down on the previous regime. I just think the environment was, you know, a lot more tense last season as the losses piled up because it was just kind of rudderless, you know, the wheels are spinning, but they're not really going in any direction. Whereas this year, and I think you can, you can credit that to, to new leadership and good leadership. If, if you feel like even when things don't go your way, you're at least taking steps forward and moving in a direction that is somewhere materially forward. I, I think it could just be as simple as that, 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 um, that work environment uh, is better for guys. Um, you know, you, you still have, you know, days where it doesn't mean a bad mood. I mean, you know, you said guys are more excited to talk to media. I'm not sure how many are ever truly uh, looking forward uh, to talking <laughs> to us. It's a, it, it could be a, kind of a chore of the job, I'm sure. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, I, it, it, it certainly, you know, is, is, uh, is noticeable. And, and even on the floor, I mean, engagement level, you talk about being competitive in these games. Um, that's, that is a product of that. And again, is a, uh, uh, is a stark difference from the first two games of the season. So I do, I do feel like that's noticeable. I, I do agree with that observation. On the topic of talking to media, uh, before you uh, join us to record, you dropped an article on NBC Sports Chicago uh, with Patrick Williams, and we were talking about it, uh, especially about like the Kawhi, the baby Kawhi uh, Leonard comparisons. Can you can you tell us more about what you talked to Patrick Williams about and what like just kind of like how his move was, especially after having a pretty good game. And I mean, again, on this West Coast road trip, he defended LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard in back-to-back games, which is no easy feat for a rookie, but he, he held his own and, and more so out there. Yeah. I, yeah. T- today's press conference from Pat, I thought was kind of as, uh, as, as open as he was uh, all season talking about the Kawhi thing. We were talking, you know, before we went live uh, about how he really played into the baby Kawhi stuff, like is really kind of almost spoon feeding Bulls fans and, and NBA observers kind of what they want to hear on the Kawhi thing. He said Kawhi was his favorite player growing up. Uh, he's been picking stuff out of his game since high school and college. He, you know, he loves, and then, and then he lists, he lists these elements of Kawhi's game that, that he so uh, looks up to and admires. And you think about how it connects to, to the experience of watching him on the floor. And it just makes so much sense. The mid post game, he talked about, um, really, really respecting uh, in Kawhi. And then you think about kind of his, what's becoming a signature shot, this pull-up mid-range jumper that he has in his bag that looks so similar to Kawhi's. And you think, oh, okay, that connection makes sense. He talked about how Kawhi um, organizes and kind of communicates with teammates, even when he's not at the center of the play or has the ball. And then you think about how kind of plus a help defender Patrick Williams is at this point. Um, that makes sense. That dot connects too. Uh, and then just his, his uh, Kawhi, that is, his ability to use his hands and his arms and his, and his length to disrupt opponents rhythm, get in passing lanes, generate steals and deflections and things like that. And obviously uh, Patrick is incredibly adept at that uh, even early uh, in his career and was in college too, playing in the, in the system that they played at Florida state. So it was just kind of funny to see him kind of play into all that. He said, he talked to Kawhi and Paul George after the Clippers game, he talked to LeBron uh, after the Lakers game and said, they kind of gave him little words of encouragement, kind of the, the, the typical kind of keep going, keep working like your game. Uh, type of stuff, but that's massive. I mean, he was drafted just over 50 days ago. I mean, without preseason without or a full preseason without summer league, without any kind of acclimation process, he's come out and started the first 11 games. And, and like you said, held his own. I think you look at the, the, uh, the, the granular of the matchup data between Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi hasn't come out yet, but, but between LeBron and Giannis, I mean, these guys are putting up massive numbers. Uh, but you know, if you, if you actually watch and again, read between the lines, you could see, you know, improvements over the course of the game, these little flashes where you think, okay, you know, if this is him 50 days since being drafted, you know, imagine him down the line. This is still somebody who um, is one of the youngest players in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was fun to listen to him, to him talk about Kawhi and again, to, uh, to, to feed into kind of the, the baby Kawhi uh, comparison, which I'm sure he's heard. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's just someone that seems to really, really embrace these challenges 
Um, you know, I, to say he had a great game today, he might have had the best game of his career today. I mean, only 11 in, uh, but, you know, career highs in, in points, in minutes played with, with the guys that they have out. He played 36 minutes and, and closed, um, closed the game down the stretch, um, made three threes, all catch and shoot. There's another point. I mean, his, his shooting, I think, has been markedly better with when you consider moving back a few feet uh, in terms of the length of the arc. The fact that his shot wasn't necessarily consistent in college, I think that's got to be something that surprises people. Too. He's shooting, I think, over 45%, obviously, on super limited volume. Um, but, you know, there's just all these different elements to his game that, uh, that, that have showed positive returns so far. And on top of it all, just every time you talk to the kid, he's just – he's so growth mindset oriented, so focused on, you know, learning. What can I take away? Uh, what am I looking for the next time I watch film? What can I ask guys like Thad and Garrett? Um, you know, things like that. Uh, things that he can add to his game, things that he can pick up from his opponents and – um, he just pretty much seems ready for any challenge in front of him. He just certainly has, has the right head on his shoulders and the work ethic and he has the talent to match it. Obviously you go number four overall because of a, a you know, of the of physical tools and the accomplishment that he's had throughout his basketball life. Uh, but I, I really think it's the, it's the mindset that he goes in every game with and, and the work ethic, obviously that, um, that distinguishes the guys that, you know, maximize those tools and uh, you know, who knows if he will, uh, and even if he does, to say that he's going to be Kawhi Leonard is weighty at this point, 11 games. You know, I, that, that comparison, I also like we were talking about uh, before the show, um, you know, should be made at this point in, in pretty lighthearted tone uh, and kind of as just uh, as like a fantasy thing. You know, don't, don't actually hold this guy up to Kawhi's <laughs> standard at this point when you talk about all the things Kawhi Leonard has accomplished in his career. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to go from where he was on draft night where people were so incensed with the pick to where we are now, um, you know, I'm just not sure how you could script a better and more encouraging kind of first stretch of Patrick Williams's career than the way that he's uh, introduced himself to Chicago over the last two months. I mean, if he wants to become Kawhi Leonard, I, we're not going to stop him, right? I yeah, mean, go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but interesting on, on that point, we, we like the comparison to Kawhi, but a comparison to the wing. And I think since we've drafted him, People thought he was a four, more so, you know, the modern four. But now you kind of think, okay, maybe he can be a wing. And that's been surprising in a sense, too, because we kind of see better handles from him, too, than we thought he might had. Uh, and obviously, that's still developing before you can really say he has good handles. But it's that, that's that been the probably the most interesting part, seeing that, yeah, maybe this guy can eventually become a three as well. Yeah, and I was one of those people who thought that his ideal position at the NBA level was a four uh, after watching him in college. Um, and the beauty of him is that he's going to be able to toggle between positions and play some three and play some four. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, you're right. I think he's held up pretty well on the perimeter so far and looked great in that three spot. And, uh, yeah, the returns there are definitely encouraging. Yeah. I I'm really excited about Patrick Williams because the athleticism for defense and I, I think the jump shot is, I think it's going to come around. Like, I think there are a lot of encouraging signs about it, especially he, he looks really comfortable mid range, Three point wise, like he he's making some, but it feels like he's still like uh, he's like maybe hesitating a little bit when he like it's almost like he's like preparing a little bit when he tries to shoot that three. But when it's when it's in yeah. the mid range, it's more fluid, it's more like instinctive, and it looks a lot better. But I think once he can really like expand his range, I mean the fact that you can have a six eight like combo forward who can defend another team's best wing and then come out on the offensive end and can still get you some pretty solid offensive reduction and can still impact the game with his athleticism and versatility, it's really exciting. So, I mean, you see everything that Karnishevis and Eversley probably saw in him from jump, and that's just really dope. And just it's it's really encouraging signs from uh, during the first year of this new regime. Yeah, I think his three is kind of right now a set shot. It's like a, yeah. a set motion. It's not really like a fluid thing where you can see him kind of shooting it off the dribble or anything like that but it's like it's it's not bad i mean it's, it's good for now and i think we'll see how he develops it, it more but i think that's why we're kind of seeing more of like a i know uh, i was listening to do uh, another another pod and they were describing it as like a robotic um uh motion mm. and i think that's what it is it's, it's like a set shot so that's kind of like the same kind of set motion that he fires off of yeah, the fluidity that he pulls up from mid-range, too, kind of gives you a, a degree of confidence that he could expand that range um, at some point. And, yeah, the percentages are good. It is a little bit of a set shot. I, I think to the point of him kind of uh, 
being a guy who's who's really internalizing lessons and applying them. He said after the game today, asked about his kind of solid uh, three-point shooting to this point. He said that uh, him and Garrett Temple were shooting yesterday, uh, as we're taping this yesterday. Um, and uh, Garrett had told him that he noticed that he kind of takes that one dribble sometimes off the catch to kind of steady himself, uh, kind of a stabilizing dribble before shooting. He's like, hey, man, in the league, like with the length uh, coming at you on closeouts and things like that, you're not, you're not going to necessarily have time to do that on every possession. So you kind of have to get comfortable catching and pulling immediately. Um, and then today he hits three catch and shoot threes. So there, there, there's a, those types of uh, immediate shows of progress give you faith. Um, and yeah, just the versatility, the archetype, when you look at, you know, the most successful teams and the way that they've built teams, having a guy like a Patrick Williams, or at least having a guy like Patrick Williams has the potential to be just unlocks so much. He's such a great kind of uh, glue piece with the potential to be so much more um, with all of his offensive uh, skill sets. Um, and that just really could open up a world for them. And it's, it's very obvious after 11 games and even after watching the Florida state tape and speaking with them, it's just very obvious. Like you said, Edward, what, what Mark and Arturis, uh, saw in him and, um, I credit to credit to Billy Donovan and credit to the front office for throwing him in the fire. There's really no reason why he shouldn't have started these first 11 games. I don't think people would have thought of that as something that was going to happen before the season started. Uh, but they, you know, they threw him in there for the, the third preseason game. And ever since then, it's just been, you know, let's let's get your feet in here because there's no time like the present to um, kind of get the full development process started with you. Um, so I, I think that's something that Patrick, I think, has appreciated. I asked him that today and he, he said that, you know, his relationship with Billy Donovan is strong and um, all the things we talked about instilling confidence that have allowed him to succeed in that. And I just think in an evaluatory year, that's the right way to handle your young guys, especially your youngest guy. Um, it's just by kind of throwing him in and seeing how he fares and, you know, individual nitpicks aside, I think the general, the general picture with him is one where he's responded well to that type of challenge. And that, that certainly goes well. Absolutely. So let's wrap up on this. Uh, the bulls next four games will be Boston, OKC, Dallas, Houston, what are you expecting over this next uh, stretch of games? Do you expect them to continue this momentum that they have in this uh, West Coast swing? Do you do you expect them to maybe get a win against? I mean, OKC seems like a winnable game. Uh, well, they better be Boston with the, the, yeah. they have eight players. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that seems like a winnable game as well. So I, how do you see yeah. them doing in a stretch? Yeah, I think, um, again, I think, you, like you said, OKC is actually five and four right now. And, mm. you know, who should be surprised at this point that they are overperforming expectations is exactly what they did last year. But I, I certainly agree that that's a winnable game. Boston, obviously, with all the constraints that they have, uh, just had their game against Miami postponed um, today and and are without so many guys and so many key guys. When you talk about Tatum and, and, uh, and, and Tristan Thompson, and everybody else that they're missing. Um, I think that's a certainly a winnable game. Um, now, Dallas and, and Houston – this is the thing with the season that you just don't know who's going to be available on a day-to-day basis. So I would struggle to predict results even this far down the line, which feels crazy to say, but you know, I think going into the road trip, the West coast road trip, I said one in three felt like, felt like a reasonable expectation. That's exactly what they did. Um, But I think you could, you could pretty uh, confidently say that they did it in a more encouraging way than would have been predicted uh, at the beginning of the trip. I think going into this four game stretch two and two, I think is, is a very reasonable expectation. And if they came out, two and two or better, um, you'd feel like things were, were still kind of riding that momentum of the West Coast swing. And, and if it was worse than that, I mean, you'd have to read into the nuances of how that came to be. Uh, maybe they struggle more with availability stuff. Maybe guys don't quite get ramped up quickly um, after, you know, some of the absent guys um, or things down that line. Uh, but to me, the expectation, the, the baseline there after what they showed West Coast would be, would be two and two in that stretch. I think I... Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I would look at the same thing. I think probably two and two, but I think that that Rockets game looks pretty winnable too. I feel like I don't. Maybe I'm just getting a little high, but high on the team. I should say not high in general, but not that I, not that I'm opposed <laughs> to getting high. But uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I look at that Rockets team. They've they've had some you know tough games that they've lost, but I feel like I feel like with the uncertainty of them, maybe we could t- steal a win there. I think it'll be interesting to see how they do against a guy like Christian Robinson. James Harden is a night- matchup nightmare in itself, but Christian Wood has been really 
um, had a really strong start to the season, and it'll be interesting to see how them how they match up there, and especially with the lineups that Billy's been closing with. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he still goes small or tries to match up with him and keep Wendell out there. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Because I mean, last season's Rockets team was the small ball team, so you would think that's an easy decision. Not so anymore. And also, uh, just the the guard defense. You know, we saw John Wall kind of get into Kobe a little bit in the preseason. With him and Harden potentially, I'd be interested to see how how Zach and Kobe hold up there. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, I don't know how much it translates, but in preseason, the Rockets just looked like they had the Bulls' number and then some because they were just killing us with like that, like they were running some five out stuff, and uh, <laughs> it was it was really tough for the team to defend. So yeah, I I, I could see two wins there. That, that definitely seems a. Uh, this definitely seems realistic at this point. So uh, we're all in agreement that yo, this team is playing really well. We're road trip. Hey, they didn't get they didn't get a lot of wins, but we're encouraged by the growth. We like the development that we're seeing, and we're liking the rotations. And you got to give your uh, you got to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff and a lot of credit to the players as well. So Rob, thanks for joining us to break down this West Coast road trip. We always appreciate when you come by. Can you let our listeners know? Uh, what you're working on and uh, where they can find you at on social media. For sure. Yeah. On Twitter, it's at Rob underscore Shafe, S-C-H-A-E-F. Um, you know, we're always twice a week. It's me, Jason Goff, Casey Johnson, and and sprinkles of Tony Gill in there uh, on the Bulls Talk podcast. Uh, so there's always, you know, we're always cooking up fresh stuff there. Uh, and then NBCSportsChicago.com. Yeah, we'll just be tracking this season as we go. Um, you know, we're getting to a point in the season, hopefully coming up where, Sample sizes start to get large enough where we can really start, you know, having some takeaways at about the quarter mark uh, or somewhere around there of the season. So, um, yeah, it's certainly an interesting time to be covering the Bulls, certainly an interesting time to be a Bulls fan, I'd imagine. Um, so, yeah, those those would be the places to uh, to keep up. Oh, and the, the My Teams app, uh, that's that's another place on mobile, uh, you know, to get our articles, podcasts, videos uh, and everything of that nature. All right. Salim, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up? Yeah, I'm just, final thoughts, just excited that we're seeing competitive basketball. We're seeing growth. Uh, like we're saying, everyone, I feel like, has been better in some way or another. And, yeah, just looking forward to continuing to see what uh, what this team does. Yeah, we'll get a chance to see them in action Tuesday against the Boston Celtics, a shorthanded Boston Celtics team, but we're excited to see them play. So uh, that wraps up uh, today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can find past episodes on Spotify, on Podbean, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, And you can always find us here every Tuesday morning on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio on at 9, 8 Central. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Shuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next week, Bulls Gold.